Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. The last couple of days, we've told you about problems people are having as they try to get coronavirus tests. Long lines, struggles to find appointments, etc. Now, California health officials have announced new coronavirus testing guidelines that will prioritize vulnerable populations as the state faces a testing backlog. KQED's Laura Cliven says more. The state will put hospitalized patients among those at the front of the line, followed by healthcare workers and people who live and work in congregate care settings that have seen outbreaks, like nursing homes, homeless shelters, and prisons. Essential workers come next, ahead of the general population. California's Health and Human Services Secretary, Dr. Mark Galley, said this comes amid an uptick in new coronavirus cases and increased demand for tests. We have experienced an increase in testing turnaround time as the surges across the nation have created challenges of getting tests processed, not just collected. Some counties report test results taking a week or more, in part because of supply chain issues. Galley said one way to address the bottleneck is to move more testing to healthcare offices and local labs. Lourdes Castro Ramirez, who heads the state business, consumer services, and housing agency, says doing that will expand access. This will allow vulnerable populations to be able to obtain appointments at the state testing facilities. Officials say they plan to release emergency regulations that would ensure health coverage reimburse the cost of testing. Galley says the state is averaging around 100,000 of them a day. For the California Report, I'm Laura Clivens. A wildfire that started in Fresno County on Monday has now burned 11,000 acres near the town of Colinga. More than 500 firefighters are on the scene and evacuations are underway. There are no reports of injuries or damaged buildings, but an air quality advisory has been issued for the Bay Area as smoke from the fire drifts north. Staying on blazes, the Navy says that 61 sailors and civilians have been treated for minor injuries as a fire continues to burn on board the amphibious assault ship, the USS Bonhomme Richard in San Diego. KPBS reporter Matt Hoffman has an update on the fire that started Sunday morning. Navy officials Tuesday were still working to control fires on board USS Bonham Richard. Here's Rear Admiral Philip Sobeck. We've got it now isolated into two uh, main areas, really at the, at, at the back part of the ship as well as at the front. Early reports show no major structural damage, and despite taking on water, the ship is remaining stable. There are a million gallons of fuel on board, but crews have been able to isolate tanks from the fire. Below the water line and far, far away from any heat source. The risk is very low. Crews on the ship in San Diego Bay and in the air have been hitting the vessel with water. The Navy says the priority is just getting the fire out. We're very hopeful uh, that our efforts are, are making progress. Thick smoke that has been pouring into nearby communities has diminished somewhat. But air quality officials say for now, people should be cautious about outdoor activity and assume the air is unhealthy. For the California Report, I'm Matt Hoffman in San Diego. 
The state of California maintains a massive database of gang members called CalGang. Law enforcement agencies use it to investigate gang-related crimes, and they also contribute names to it. Now, California Attorney General Javier Becerra is shutting down LAPD's entries to CalGang after investigations found many of the department's entries were false and inaccurate. KCRW's Jerome Campbell reports. The department's entries first came under scrutiny in 2016 when a state audit found some questionable data, like including children in the system. Then, more recently, an LAPD internal audit revealed false records in the system, leading to charges against three officers for adding them. More than 20 other officers are currently being investigated in the scandal. The LAPD accounts for about 25% of the database entries. The department has suspended use of the database, but critics say the existence of those records foster racial profiling. Becerra has since called for other departments to audit their own entries, and that the database must change as well as face greater scrutiny. For the California Report, I'm Jerome Campbell. In Kern County, the Sheriff's Department is also facing scrutiny. Following a month of discussions with community leaders, the department has agreed to collaborate with the community-led Advisory Council. As Valley Public Radio's Mari Bolaños reports, it'll be the first of its kind for Kern County. Arlena Waller, the founder of MLK Community, led the initiative to create the Advisory Council. She says the main goal is to have a diverse panel of community members to review policies within the department. A lot of the ones who said yes have been boots on the ground for 10, 15, 20 years. So they're going to bring a lot of that experience to the table, and we're going to hear information in a way maybe we've never heard it before so that we can have solutions we've never had before. But getting to this point wasn't easy. Waller says it took about a month of conversations before the sheriff's department agreed to participate. Still, she says both parties are now on the same page. We want to be able to get some law change that would allow the sheriff's department to be able to do their work in a more transparent manner. We want to be able to say, hey, this is what you guys are doing wrong in the community. Let's address that. Under Sheriff Isaiah Crompton will play an active role on the advisory council, Waller says. The first meeting will take place at the end of July. For the California Report, I'm Madi Bolaños in Bakersfield. As coronavirus cases surge, earlier this week, Governor Gavin Newsom announced new shutdown orders for indoor businesses across the state. So what's it like to own a business that has to close again? KQED's Shannon Lynn spoke to gym owners. Chris Suda owns Fitness Evolution in Solano County, which covers parts of the East and North Bay. He talked about his employees' reaction when they heard the news of the reclosure. They kind of gasped and said, what? <laughs> So they're like, no way, again? Jenny Kovacs also owns a gym in neighboring Sonoma County. She says local health officials had just reassured her over this past weekend that she'd be able to stay open. Now, she says, she'll have to reorient her business again. We've only been open a few weeks. We've invested thousands and thousands of dollars into revamping our facilities in order to meet county and state and federal health mandates, CDC regulations. In both counties, gyms got the green light to reopen just several weeks ago, and both Suda and Kovacs say they may be forced to furlough employees they rehired just last month. For the California Report, I'm Shannon Lynn.
Mobile Wash is a Southern California-based gig economy company that offers car washing services. The state's labor commissioner's office is suing it for misclassifying around 100 of its workers as independent contractors instead of employees. KQED's Auditi Bonlamudi reports. Mobile Wash workers use their own cars, buy their own uniforms, insurance, supplies, and gas. They cover their own travel time. The company even dings them a $2 transaction fee for every tip left on a credit card, according to the lawsuit. This is the first lawsuit filed by the Labor Commissioner's Office to enforce Assembly Bill 5, which just went into effect this year. AB 5 requires the application of the ABC test to determine how to classify people. Office attorney Miles Locker explains. If the worker is doing work that is the central part of the company's business, they're an employee. They cannot be an independent contractor. Mobile Wash did not comment in time for this story. For the California Report, I'm Aditi Bandlamudi. This week, the Associated Press broke the story that more than 100,000 mail-in ballots sent in by California voters in the March presidential primary were rejected, meaning those votes ended up not being counted. This news comes as California moves forward with plans to send mail-in ballots to every voter in the state to use in the November election because of the coronavirus pandemic. To learn more about problems with mail-in ballots, I reached out to Kim Alexander, president of the California Voter Foundation. My first question, what were the problems with those mail-in votes back in March? The biggest reason why they were rejected was because they arrived too late to count. The other top reasons why ballots get rejected in California are that the voter forgets to sign the ballot envelope or the signature they provide doesn't sufficiently match their signature on file with their county election office. But I thought mail-in ballots, you know, a a lot of people, obviously, were talking a lot about mail-in before the November election. I thought they were supposed to be far more secure and foolproof, and this is the the face (laughs) of the future when it comes to, to voting. So what's up with all that? This is a known problem. This has been an issue the California Voter Foundation has been monitoring and working on since our first study into vote by mail back in 2014, when we began to realize that there were these growing piles of vote-by-mail ballots in county election offices that were going uncounted and started asking why. And so over the last five, six years, there actually have been numerous reforms enacted in California to address this issue, starting with giving voters a three-day grace period and allowing postmarks to count. You know, we used to require that you had to have your ballot in your county elections office by 8 p.m. on election day in order to be counted. And we we modified that rule and allowed this grace period. And we even have a, a longer grace period for November. We still see lots of late ballots. We also have, thanks to a lawsuit that the ACLU filed a couple years ago, we have a new law in California that requires counties to contact voters who have missing or mismatched signatures and provide them a chance to give ballot signature that the elections office can use to count their ballot. And so that that reform has been in effect starting this year for all counties, but we still see a significant number of voters not following through or, or not getting that communication and having their ballots rejected. Are there equity issues when it comes to vote by mail? Are, are there communities that are, are more vulnerable when it comes to problems? So vote by mail utilizes some components, particularly the U.S. mail system and a signature 
that are n- not as familiar for younger Californians than they are for older older voters. Younger voters also may have registered to vote at a time when they were 16 or 17 years old through the pre-registration process. And then maybe it's five years, six years later that they're actually voting and they don't know what their signature looks like on file. They, their signature may have, may have changed dramatically. How do we uh, uh, problem-proof this process in the days and weeks that remain? Well, one thing that voters can do right now is check their registration status and make sure that they are registered where they currently are living. And if they're not, they need to update their registration. County election offices are working right now to get ready to mail out 20 million ballots to California voters starting in in early October. So we want to make sure those ballots connect with voters. And then the other tip I think we really need to get out to voters is if you don't know what your signature looks like, and why would you? I mean, a lot of people just don't know what their signature looked like when they registered to vote. You can look at your driver's license or state ID and try to make your signature look like that. Then the only thing worse, in my view, than people not voting is people attempting to vote and having their ballots go uncounted. All right. So much important information. Kim Alexander, president and founder of the California Voter Foundation. Thanks so much. Thank you. And that is the California Report for Wednesday, July 15th, a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Thanks for listening. Support for the California Report comes from Water Heaters Only, specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured, open 24 hours a day, every day. Learn more at waterheatersonly.com. Hint, fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. Hint, water with a touch of true fruit flavor. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems. Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions. Online or through Star One's mobile app, Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. Hi, I'm Tyler Foggett. Join me and my colleagues as we go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds in politics for insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Make sure you're following The Political Scene, available now wherever you get your podcasts.